morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Doug Durrett. Hi. <laughs> and I'm part of the pastoral ministry here at Living Hope Church under the guidance and under Pastor Mona Stephen, who is leading us and who is mentoring us as we go so that we become all that we can be and all that God has called us to be. And I was thinking this morning, we're going to be talking about unity today. And I was thinking, you know, my unity and Pastor Mona is very, very simple. The rules that govern our unity are very easy. It's this. She tells me, you're preaching? And I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> very simple, eh? And I was thinking, you know, it's the same thing with God. Sometimes unity is very, very simple when you think of it. Because unity is really God just speaking and us saying yes. But it's in the complaining and it's in the waiting and it's in the times when we say no to God. It's where we find that unity is broken. So this morning, we're going to be talking about unity. And unity is important. So it's on this series that we've been doing. It's the last part today. Discover part seven. And we're just going to pray before we start. Father, I want to thank you this morning that we can gather here, Lord, so freely. And God, to hear your word and to hear what you're saying to us as a church. Father, I ask this morning that you would take over my lips and God, my thoughts, and God, let them be your thoughts. God, you spoke something to my heart, and God, I'm asking that you would help me to speak it this morning to your children. God, I, I don't have anything within myself to give your people, but God, you have everything for them. So, Lord, I just ask, God, that I would disappear and that you would appear. And, Lord, that you would touch your people this morning. God, we pray against anything, Lord, that would try to come against your people. Anything, God, that would try to steal the word from your people. Anything, God, that would try to put their minds on other things, except for what's important right here and right now, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when we talk about unity, I think it's important to understand that unity is based on love. God loves us, and in return, we love each other. And when we talk about unity, I think it's important that we understand that we have a choice to be an agent of unity or to be an agent of disunity. You know, I've been witness, and I witness actually, to churches that have been so disunified, and I've seen the devastation that it's brought to their, first of all, to the congregation, to, you know, person against person, and I've seen also the turmoil and the devastation that it's brought to their lives, and it's really sad to see. You know, in most cases, it results in the church closing its doors when people can't come together and can't work together and don't want to do God's will, really. But over the past 20 years or so that I've been here, I've seen also this church grow in unity. And I've seen God pour out a blessing. Because when you read Psalms, 130, uh, Psalms 133, it says, God says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And he says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. You see, unity is not just something that happens, folks. It's a choice. Because God has given us everything that we need. The question is, will you use the tools to make it happen? And that's really the question that you're going to have to ask yourself this morning. Because to an onlooking world, when there's more tension and there's more drama and there's more hostility in the church than what there is in the world, the testimony of God 
And his gospel of hope and peace, let me tell you something, it's a big no thank you. I was there. I seen what was going on in different churches, and I was like, you want me to be a part of that? Uh, no. Because you see, when the gospel, when poorly represented, is probably one of the most common reasons people distance themselves from the church. When in reality, our lives ought to be magnets. If John 17 says this, Jesus prayed, he said, Holy Father, protect them by your power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So if we see Jesus praying that, God, let them be one as we are one, I think we have to take note and understand that it's pretty important that we get this unity thing right. God is the one who called us to unity. God is the one who, who helps us to live in unity one with another. And it's important, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, he said this, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be, one, be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now take note, folks. There, there's one of, here's one of the tools to encourage one another. That's one of the tools. Encourage one another. And as we go through, you're going to see there's different tools. Now we know Satan's goal it's very simple. It's to destroy the unity of the church. And why? Because the unity of the church is a testimony of the power of God manifested through you and I that affects the world around us. My life being lived the way God wants me to live and saying yes to God and, and, and just walking in His ways will change the people that I'm around. You see, in Christ, the church... It's been empowered by the Holy Spirit to enable those that are in it, that's you and I, to serve together in unity. So we don't have any excuse. Unity is possible because it's God's design. God designed it. Remember James, in the book of James, he says, don't only be hearers of the truth, but be doers of the truth. Because without application, there's no spiritual transformation. And without us being spiritually transformed, what in the world do we have to show the world? Us? No. The, the goal has always been to show the world Jesus. That's the goal. God didn't want us to just have this theoretical stance on the gospel and to live the way that we want. The call was always reflect Christ's character in every area of your lives through action, especially with one another. To put the truth into practice in such a way that it bonds us together against the enemy that is consistently and constantly trying to disunify the church. And you know, as believers, really, we need to be kingdom agents here. Kingdom agents of forgiveness, kingdom agents of reconciliation in each other's lives and in the world. Here come some more tools. Listen, we are to be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, Ephesians says. Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind, be compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as God forgave you. And this is how we strive to keep the unity of the Spirit. We do the Word of God. We don't just read it, we do it. We do what it says. We remember what God did for us, and we do that for one another. You see, when we strive to keep the unity... 
We will in any situation, no matter how we feel, how messy it might be, or how much it hurts. You see, folks, we're a group of people. God places here together. There's going to be some things that are going to come up, guaranteed. But God says, well, when we're walking in unity, we want to walk towards unity. We're going to find his perspective. And we're going to, be, we're going to find his measures of reconciliation so that we can move forward together, living in peace and living in harmony. Instead of letting the situation destroy the unity that we've been working hard for. And trust me, like I said a while ago, you will have your choice. You'll have your chance to choose to be an agent of unity or to be an agent of disunity. Because, like I said, when you put a bunch of people together and you bring new people in and you put everybody in a mix, like I said, we all have our faults, we have our weaknesses. But God says there is a way to live through those things with each other in love. And it's always based on where your focus is. Is your focus on man or is your focus on God? John 17, 23 says this, and I love this verse. It says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. You see, the church, that's you and I. It's not this building, it's you and I. We're called to display the glory and the truth of Christ by the way that we live for his kingdom. And you can't do that, folks, living outside of Scripture. You can't do that living outside of the truth. You can't do that living without unity and with your own set of rules. A lot of people want to come to church and they want to be part of something and they want God in their lives, but they want their own set of rules. It doesn't work that way. Ephesians 4, 1-3 says this, Therefore, and this is Paul speaking, and he's in prison, and he says, Therefore, I am a prisoner for serving the Lord. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble. Be gentle. More tools. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. So when we're talking about unity, what do we mean? Because if we're going to be on the same page we probably better be talking about the same thing, right? Here's the meaning of biblical unity. Biblical unity is this. It's oneness of purpose consistent with the will of God that you're working out. Biblical unity is oneness of purpose consistent with the will of God that you're working out. Now, what do I mean working out? Well, The Bible tells us that when you came to Christ and you accepted him as Lord and Savior, he exchanged your old life for a new life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When I came to Christ, you know, he didn't say to me, Doug, it's time to take some things out of your life and to add religion to your life. No, the Bible says it's time for a totally new beginning. It's time for a whole new life. It's time for a whole new hope, a whole new strength, and a whole new vision. God does the complete package. That's what the gospel says. And when I think back of my, my old life, I mean, before this new life in Christ, I mean, there, there was a time I hated a lot of people. But now with Jesus, I'm able to love. He gives me, gives me the ability to love people. 
Once I was a mocker of God, but now with Jesus, I'm passionate about telling others about his goodness and about his faithfulness. And if you think about your own life, a lot of you here, maybe you're, you were gossipers. But now you're, you're encouragers of, of the brethren, encouragers of, of the people of God. Maybe most of us here, I'm going to say, probably we're all liars. I'm sure everybody lied. And a lot of us did it to, keep our, to make it look good for us, right? But now truth rules your lips. Because Jesus changes everything as you walk with him day by day by day. And in that newness of life, folks, supernaturally reformed by the hand of God, Jesus gives us ample opportunity. That's what we're talking about, walking it out. Jesus gives us ample opportunity to grow and to confess our sins. And he makes us more aware of our spiritual weakness and our need of him on a daily basis. And as we learn to submit the areas that he's asking us to submit, and he's always going to ask you to submit some areas, because whatever doesn't line up to what, 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 what he looks like, he wants the best for you. So he's going to ask you, he's going to come, and he's going to ask you to surrender these things to me. It'll be different for every one of us. But as we learn to submit, we begin to have this, what we call fear of God, this holy reverence of who God is that motivates us towards obedient and righteous living. And the more that we submit, the more we find ourselves lining up the scripture. And the more we find ourselves putting into practice what God says in his word. And the more, that, the more of God's life we begin to emit to those that are around us. And the more that we become like Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, we're both unified with God and others. And all of a sudden, what happens, we're walking in obedience to God's ways and we're honoring Him in all that we do. And you know what? We're making the kingdom look good. People were drawn to Jesus, weren't they? They were drawn to Jesus because of His love. They were drawn to Jesus because of His compassion for people. His willingness to be with people others simply didn't want to be around. He forgave their sin, no matter what they did. He treated everyone the same, no favorites. Because in him they saw something the world could not offer. Jesus, he made the kingdom look good by the way that he, that he, that he acted and the way that he was with people. Now I'm sure you all watched the Olympics here once in your life, right? And you know the pregame procession when, when all of the representatives come in and they're walking around with, their, with the flag of their country held high, right? And you know, the athletes, they're all bringing their skill and their talent and their mindset and their focus, and they're doing that for one purpose, to make their country look good. Well, we have to understand that you and I are part of a kingdom. And you're a kingdom representative. And I'm a kingdom representative. doesn't matter where I am, not just here, wherever I go. I'm a kingdom representative. And God's given us all something in which to serve the kingdom with, and we all have skills, and we're to use those skills and our training and our talent to make the kingdom look great. So the unity that we have in Christ is part of the grand design. To restore the unity that God created before sin and the fall. Produce this terrible havoc between God and man and between, you know, within man himself. You know, folks, when we think of it, there's a lot of people that desire unity, a lot of people that want unity, but I don't know if there's a lot of people that understand what it takes to have unity. You know? Biblical unity has to be aligned with what God's goal is. 
Because when we talk about unity, the first question should be, what is the will and the work of God, not what is the will and the work of me? Even Jesus, there's many scriptures, many passages where Jesus himself, he came to do the will of the Father, not his own will. So the idea is to identify God's perspective and to be in allegiance to that so that we're all moving in the same direction. You know, when I was writing this, I was thinking, if we... We're a rowing team, and I chose eight of us here. And if we were a rowing team, and, we, and I got eight people, and we all got into a boat, and you got four people rowing in one direction, and you got four people rowing in the other direction, we're going to be doing some pretty nice circles. <laughs> but we're not going to be getting anywhere. So if a rowing team has no unity, it's because somewhere they allowed something in their boat that should not be there. And in our spiritual lives, it's the exact same thing. When we want unity and we want to go forward, sometimes we've allowed things in our boat that should not be there. Maybe it's attitudes. Maybe it's self-reliance. Maybe it's rebellion. I will not row in the same, row, same way people are rowing. That's rebellion. Oh, them four are rowing that way. I'm going to do my own thing. It's called rebellion. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it was a lie that caused you to shut down towards your brother or your sister. Maybe even a bad experience with church in the past that keeps you at bay from getting close and unified with God's people. You see, in order, folks, for there to be unity, we have to identify these things. We have to allow God to show us in our lives what's keeping me from being united, what's keeping me from drawing close to people. You have to identify the attitudes and the thoughts and the lies. Because if we don't, you know what happens? It keeps us only wanderers in the church. It keeps us like wanderers. We come and, and we go, but we never get, get united and get on board to what God's doing and where he's going and what his goals are. And the only way to do that is to bring all of those things under the authority of Christ. Somebody said this. Never allow anything in your boat that divides or destroys the oneness of your life with Christ to remain in your life without facing it. Because if God is not in the equation, your unity is in trouble. You see, we don't need eight exact people with the same perspectives. We don't need people with the same backgrounds and the same personalities and the same ideas in order to go forward and to be unified. We're not into cloning people here. You see, unity is not all of us becoming the same. Unity is keeping our uniqueness towards a common goal. Unity is oneness of purpose, not sameness of persons. Now, when you look at the Trinity, I mean, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father's not the same as the Son. The Son's not the same as the Father. And they're both not the same as the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Godhead, the Trinity, composes of three same equal persons, who in essence are one, but they're very distinct in personality. And they're united because they're all working on the same plan. So unity is not getting everybody to be the same, it's to get people on the same page towards a, le a legitimate goal. Because we're all different. We're all different here, we're all unique. We don't need five Dugs, and we don't need five Pastor Monas, and we don't need ten Tylers. And I don't even have to look up because I know Tyler's saying, yes, you do. 
I know you said. <laughs> Unity only requires your life submitted. Filtered through the cross of Christ and ready to obey what God calls you to do so we can all move forward together for the same plan, for the same goal, to reach the lost while still being you. And God gets the glory. See, we don't need eight same rowers. All we need is people passing through the filter of God's word. Knowing God's will in any situation. And when we get into situations, like I said, there is going to be some things that come up. But our first question should be this. When we're in any type of conflict, in order to keep the unity, it should be this. This is the question. What does God say about the situation? And what does God want me to do about the situation? Or what he, about what he said about the situation? And that's where we have to get a divine revelation from God. Because that's what keeps us unified. You can't count on your actions. You can't, if you want to know, let's just say this. If you want, your, if you want to know if your actions are legitimate, you're le legitimate whenever you're going into conflict with your brother or sister or, or you know, something has happened, first thing first, you can't, you can't rely on your emotions. Plain and simple because emotions change from situation to situation. And you know what? Sometimes they work out in your favor. So I could be going totally against what God has asked me to do and be totally happy. So that's why you don't rely on your emotions. I can't count on my moral instincts because I grew up different than what you grew up. And if I don't go to the Word of God, well, you know what? What I think is right might not be what you think is right. So we can't depend on moral, on our, on our moral, uh, what did I call it? Standards. <laughs> moral standards. We can't. I have to go to the Word of God. I have to go where truth is. And why? Because God's Word is settled in heaven. What He says, it's what it is. You can't go to your own ideas based on what you've seen. You can't go to what you, on what you've heard or what you've experienced. No, based on what God says, that's the standard of living. And if we follow God's standard, we can't help but be unified and be following the same road. Truth is the measure by which reality is measured. Truth, God's word. And you know, folks, it's the reason why so many churches today are ununified. Because you have so-called Christians that don't even believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is God's Word. And they're taking their information based on worldly views and a corrupt society, and they're basing their decisions on what they feel is right. And when you do that, unity will never happen, because you're playing by your own set of rules. Because whenever you have competing goals, there's always going to be conflicts. I like my little badums. <laughs> whenever you have competing goals there's always going to be conflict and if you're not doing God's will you're not going to be headed towards divinely orchestrated unity Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand so if we're disunified it's only because somewhere someone walked away from truth ouch if we're not unified somebody moved away from God's word why do you think we do the things the way we do here at this church? Why do, you, why do we confront sin the way that we do? 
Why do we resolve conflict the way that we do? Why do we encourage people the way that we do? Why do we walk with people the way that we do? Why do we counsel the way that we do? Because everything is first filtered through the Word of God here. Because we know that there's not one thing in our lives. There's not one thing in our marriages. There's not one thing in our families. and There's not one thing in our society that God has not spoken on. He's given us precepts and principles that are inescapable and they're reliable in order to keep us united. So that's why when you see us doing certain things the way we do in this church is because we're not going on what we think, what we feel, what we, what, we, what we saw before. No, we're going straight to the Word of God. What does God say? But what happens is when we walk away from the truth and we decide we're not going to deal with our issues or we decide we're going to hold on to offenses maybe that people have caused us and not obey what God has called us to, which we said is love and forgiveness and long-suffering and patience and kindness. We walk out of unity with the body and with the spirit. And what happens is we just give an opportunity to the devil to work in and around us and to wreak havoc on our unity. When God said, what did God say about the devil? What did he tell us to do about the devil? Give no access to the devil. I was thinking the other day, I said, well, you know, sometimes we come here and how does he get in? It's pretty simple. We invite him. Because we carry the undealt with thoughts. We, we carry the attitudes. We carry the actions that affect the whole. Because it will, if we don't deal with our issues when we come here, if we're not looking to really maintain the unity and, and to work it out and to you know, be able to do what God's word is saying and asking God and, and working that way to move towards the common goal, it'll affect the worship. It'll affect the, if we hear the word or not. And it'll affect, really, if we leave the same as what we came. Tony Evans said this. He says, you watch the news today in a disunified world, and all the comments that people are giving sound like this. Well, I think, well, I want, well, I feel, well, my idea is, but he said, we could save a lot of time if we start it with what God said and rally around that and begin to do the work to implement that will based on his word. So sometimes you wonder why we're in trouble or why things are not working out. Maybe it's because we didn't go to the word of God. Maybe we didn't ask God, how do we do this? I need your perspective on this, God. Because it's God's will and it's God's work, not just his name that's attached to your life. And many people just want God's endorsement to do their will and their work. But unity only comes by one mind, one purpose, one aim. And that's to do the will of God. And Ephesians 4, 4-6 to says this, For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. And you know, one of the particular marks of a Christian calling is to preserve the unity of the saints in the bond of peace. But when we don't deal with the sin issues, folks, sin is it's a disruptive force. It really is. Sin always divides. It always separates. It always splinters. 
and it divides a man within himself and against himself. And when you look at the early church, it's a completely different picture than what God put together there. You know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost starts with together, and it ends with together. The people were together in one place and together in one heart. They were united in Christ's mission to the world. Together, they were united in receiving power. And folks, the power that they received, it even it went beyond the separation of language. When you read the scripture and you see power came to them when they were unified and when they were together, it's amazing. I mean, here they go out and they're speaking on the streets and there's all kinds of languages. And they're speaking one language and everybody is hearing it in their own language. That's power. You see, when we're unified, the Holy Spirit comes and he moves with power. Satan's lies are exposed, and we're able to keep the unity by treating each other just like Jesus treated us. So it's important, and I'll close with this. It's important to understand that unity is essential. It's an essential ingredient in our walk. We have to protect it. We have to understand how important it is, and we have to keep it. Because God has given us the ability to be patient and to be kind and to be loving through our actions and our words. And Scripture reminds us that it's our responsibility as Christians to lead the way for unity. You see, when legitimate unity is present, God's glory is manifested. And that means He advertises Himself to the world through us so that more people will be able to come to know who He is, to love Him and to serve Him. See, our unity makes it possible for the world to know that God the Father loved and sent Jesus and that He loves them. They won't be able to see it if we're not unified. And I was thinking the other day, we are caught up in something much bigger than us. God's plan, we're caught up in that. And when we think about it simply, we are called simply to serve the Lord in unity so that the love and the glory of our God is visibly and powerfully manifested to a watching world. Because they're watching and they're there. And here we are, we have the hope that God gave us of new life, being new creations with new vision, being on the path to be able to enjoy life forevermore with Jesus. We have many people that are just falling by the wayside. People that are having a hard time. People that don't even know anything about God, really. I was talking to some people the other day at work, and you know, a lot of people don't know anything at all. They were just brought up that way. No, no God in their life at all. So I think it's, it's really important that we live the Word. That we connect together. And, when, and there will be things that will come. But like I said, Jesus has given us the ability to move beyond those things. He's given us all the tools that we need so that we come together, we stick together through that bond of peace. And God will use us individually. He'll use us corporately as a church in order to bring his plans into fruition. And that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome privilege for us to be part of, of that and God's work here in the earth. And... You know, I know we're coming to an end of soon of this 100-day challenge, but we're not going to stop there. 
hey, we're not stopping at 100 days. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing forward. And I saw that little runner a while ago. I wish I looked like him, but I don't. <laughs> Maybe one day I will. But spiritually, that's what I want to look like. Never mind. I mean, I'm working on this body, but I want to look like that guy in the spiritual realm. You know, that when people come, they're like, tell me about your God. Tell me about what is it with you? And what is it with your church? And what is it with your life? And what is it? And we're simply able to speak life to them as God gives us the words and gives us, you know, what we need. And people come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. That's just, it's just beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful.